This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. You're season two. Today's guest is Jake Kelfer. Jake is a best-selling author and the founder of Pro Basketball Combine. We talked to him today about loving people, bringing joy, about his time with the Lakers and the great Jerry West story he has for us, the power of a single interaction, how to make decisions, take action, how to define your success. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and look to get better every day. to the podcast jake man it's good to be here Pump for this. fantastic man i'm so glad to have you on uh thank you for making the time and taking the time really to uh to contribute because uh here again as we were speaking before i just really want to expand the platform and i believe that this this interview right here will, will, will kind of do that so uh, i'm gonna ask you the same question i ask every guest right my first question is always how are you introduced to the game of basketball yeah, man. No, this, this, we'll definitely open up some eyeballs in this, in this interview, that's for sure. Um, I was introduced to the game of basketball. I think I, was, I think I was five years old when I was first introduced, played in my first park and rec, uh, on my first park and rec team. And let me tell you something. From what I can remember, the first few games of my career, I was one of the worst basketball players that ever existed. I was, intim- I, dude, I was, I was intimidated. I was scared. I was like running the other direction and I'm not even joking. I've had this conversation with my parents about halfway through that. I'm five years old or something. I, I, I remember there being a change. I was like, what happened? Right. Because obviously now I like basketball is everything. And they told me, I think they changed the framework of how they taught me about what I was supposed to be doing. And they made it in a way that like perfectly uh, aligned with my personality at the time, which was just like the ball of energy. And <laughs> from that day forward, the game of basketball has been one of my greatest passions. And I became a very good player after that. So I was introduced. Uh, thank you for bringing me and allowing me to, to relive that memory of, <laughs> of being introduced yeah. to the game. Yeah, no, man. Like that's what, uh, I don't know. It's how I always want to start things because uh, we don't go back to our Genesis uh, of how we came to uh, love the sport. Uh, inter- the introduction usually has to do with it. Uh, sometimes it's not always positive. Sometimes it's negative. And yep. uh, and, I, and I think about those things because you're kind of you're a guy with a lot of positive energy. And so I think we uh, we can find that find out where you got it from, how you got there. Uh, and so yeah, man, that's why I asked that question because it always kind of leads to some you know really cool story. Uh, sometimes, sure. sometimes novelty story, like, whoa, wow, that's different. So fantastic, man. Now, I want to ask you, who were some of your greatest influences growing up with, as far as the game of basketball? I, guess, I mean, you know, I, they were my greatest influences for a lot of things, but specifically my parents. Okay. okay? And, and, and I'll get into basketball people, too, here in just a second. But I think it's important to note for me, at least in my journey, my parents were some of my greatest influences because they made me believe that I was capable of achieving greatness. Yeah, yeah. And they believed that even as the smallest kid on the court, I could still achieve great success in basketball. And that was huge as I was growing up to have people that believed in me and supported, supported me, even if maybe other people didn't agree with them. So they were huge influences on me. But then from the game of basketball, I mean, I'm an L.A. guy. Okay, I'm from Los Angeles, and we have a room in the house I grew up in called the Laker Room. Oh, wow. Literally painted purple and gold. I mean, we're diehard Laker fans growing up, and um, everything in that room, we have memorabilia, ticket stubs, every Sports Illustrated that every Laker's ever been on a cover of. Nice. We got all these crazy things. Cardboard cutout of Kobe Bryant. So we watched every Laker game growing up. And, and for me, I was blessed when I was 7, 8, 9, 10, to see some incredible championships in that in that three feet, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so my some of my greatest influences were, were Kobe, obviously, as a Lakers fan. Uh, Magic Johnson's been my favorite player, and, and to watch him pass, that was what I liked to do when yeah, I was a point yeah. guard. And then Steve Nash, like watching Steve Nash on the Phoenix Suns growing up. I mean, talk about just a guy that that gave me hope as a point guard because yeah. I love I love 
the game of basketball. And, and for me, my favorite part playing as a point guard was making a crisp pass. Yeah. I'd rather make a crisp pass for the assist than hit any jump shot. Like, and it was so cool because those were the guys that I that I really watched and that I studied and um, tried to model my game after. And um, those are some of my biggest influence from like an actual game of basketball perspective. Yeah, Steve Nash actually made that transition to the Lakers too there at the end. So yeah, you got you got all three of them in that purple and gold. But I like them. <laughs> that's the, true. The Laker room, man, that's awesome. Like that's. Uh, Definitely something I think a lot of us all wish we could have had as kids growing up. And uh, yeah. that's fantastic, man. That's here again. Great to hear that. But your parents, man, kind of going back to that, that is definitely something that uh, I think those of us who have our parents as our role models to a degree, uh, you know, besides Magic Johnson and all that and Kobe. But uh, I would say or what I would ask you is that how, what did you what did your parents do to kind of. Uh, I guess influence you in a way, you know, other than, you know, the, the, the routine parenting, what were some of the more mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, over the top things they did that were just so special to you? Well, they cared. All uh, right. And, and, and they, they showed me they cared my dad and, and my, my parents are like my heroes, right? My yeah. dad literally never missed a game a sporting game that I played from like five years old to when I was introduced to the game, right? Like we talked about, to my final high school basketball game. He nice. never missed a single game I, that I can remember in my, in my lifetime. That's like one of the coolest things that have ever happened. And it just told me he cared. So deep down within me, obviously I wanted to perform because he would be able to, he was there, right? You want to put on for your family. You want to put on for the people that believe in you, that care for you. So that was one thing that, that they showed me how to do. Um, and showed me that, that he really cared about me and wanted me to succeed. The other thing that I, I think my parents really did is they, they never forced me to do anything, right? And I think we see a lot of, a lot of parents, and I, and I see a lot of parents, um, and my friends had these parents that would force them to get in the batting cages, would force them to go shoot 50 free throws, would force them to stay, you know, an extra hour. And it, and it takes the fun out of the game of basketball. Yeah, for because sure. Because I think that we need, to, we need to love this game. Like, we play this game for a reason. And... A lot of times parents want to relive their glory days or want their kids to be better than they ever were. And I get all that. But for me, it was so powerful when my parents, you know, after a bad game, they wouldn't scold me or be like, Jake, you suck today. <laughs> they would talk to me and let me yeah. express how I was. And, if, and then they would give me constructive criticism. And yeah. they also knew, they also knew, like my mom knew she's not an expert on basketball. Yeah. So she wasn't going to try to spew BS just to try to say something that I could be better at, right? Yeah. She would give me things that she was great at, which was like, how was my energy on the court? How was my how was my how was my teamwork with my teammates? What did my attitude look like from the stand? Because she's a social worker, right? Oh wow. My dad, my dad would try to figure out, you know, after games, we we decompress, we talk about it, and he would talk about the plays, and then we'd laugh at the bad plays, but they never like. You know, there's that big difference, and it's it's so important for me to stress that because I think that um, as kids, you know, we just want to play the game of basketball. Yeah. And when we can have guidance that guides us, whether that's a parent or whether that's a coach, but that they show us that they care yeah. and they invest their time into us and, and want us to be better. And, of course, there's different ways to show that. But, like, for me, those are the ways my parents helped me continue my love for the game and because of that i wanted to be better for them and for myself mostly and that was one of the big reasons why i've been able to overcome the adversity overcoming the smallest kid on the court my whole life overcome the the doubters and the haters that said i wouldn't make varsity as a five four sophomore in a competitive high school division like that's what made what got my juices flowing yeah no man i mean you get me fired up right there. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the same kind of upbringing that I had as well. I mean, my 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 mother, my father really were the driving force behind everything I did uh, athletically, and uh, always, you know, having those same kind of challenges, if you will. wasn't the tallest person, uh, wasn't the you know strongest, wasn't wasn't anything you know out of the ordinary. But I loved the game, and that's what my parents helped me to do is to love sports, love athletics, and more than anything, love competition. Like not, oh, yeah. not love competition for the sake of showing people up, but love competition for the sake of, Hey, what can I do? How do I maximize my ability every day? And so I think those are, those are definitely kind of coincidental type things, man. And so I appreciate you sharing that with us now, 
you talk about you talk about your time as a player. What was that experience like? Like, how did you view that? Through what lens did you see yourself as far as when you were playing sports? How did that, you know, because we can all say I was good, I wasn't good, all that. But how did you really see your experience as a as an athlete? I was going to the league. That, that was <laughs> that was that was my lens. Like yeah, that yeah, yeah. that was the lens, right? Now, of course, like realistically from the time I had that dream, was it probably ever gonna happen? Probably not. But that was that was the dream and, and here's the thing about that though. And here and here's the thing with a lot of with a lot of players is sometimes we have these dreams but we don't put in the work to make that dream a reality. Truth. Now yeah. my dream going to the league that made me at seven and eighth grade, my parents would say, if you want to go to the league, you think Kobe Bryant didn't shoot on his driveway when he was seven in seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. You didn't think he was playing a grade above when he was in sixth grade, two grades above and like, you know? Yeah. And so for me, like my identity was, I was going to outwork you and I was going to be better at things than you were. And I was going to execute at the highest level. Wow. And so I, I was a kid who would get to practice early, and instead of shooting threes, I would do dribbling trails. <laughs> I would get the cones out. I'd stretch. I'd, I, yeah. I literally would do the things that people would tell you. And, and I, I don't know why or how, but, like, and maybe it's my parents. Maybe it's, like, I've always just wanted to be great, and I've, I've, been, I've learned early on that, like, listen to what people are doing. They're gonna, they want you to win, right? Yeah. Like, people aren't going to tell you, give you advice that they intentionally mean is terrible, right? Sometimes people toil and they're working on things that at the end of the day uh, probably aren't the best things to be, you know, perfecting or honing. Uh, yet when you go about your business by repetitiously working on the right things, uh, you just it just comes natural after a while. You know, regardless of what your natural ability is, you've you've learned to develop another ability. And so I think that's really important for everybody listening, like. You can develop things in yourself, in your skill set, in your coaching skill set, in your interpersonal skills, uh, you know, working with people. You talked about your mom being a social worker. Like, that's big time because I think all of us who are coaches, who are teachers, who are educators, who, whatever we do, we're in a sphere of human interaction, okay? Mm-hmm. And so we're all kind of, to a degree, a social worker, you know, where we're working with people, the circumstances and the situations that these people are in are all different. So we got to be adaptable. And so I like what you're saying, you know, being a better teammate, that all plays into that as well, because we need people to reach people to reach people. We can't just do it all on our own. So I'm, I just find that really intriguing how you said that. Now, your motivational spirit, because you're a motivational speaker as well, like, where did that come from? Like, where do you get that, that kind of just that drive and that excitement and that, especially the energy, where did that come from? Man, I I love people. I mean, I I really genuinely just love people. And, you know, to be honest, like I always had dreams after, after the NBA dream, of course. Right. Then it was like, you know, what could I do? And I, and I saw people being speakers. I'm like, I could speak and write books and give back. But I quickly realized that you don't have to have a full life or a full career before you start giving back to others, loving others, and being there for others. And for me, 
uh, being a speaker was one of the ways that, that enabled me to express my energy, share a positive message, and inspire people and elevate people. Yeah. And, and I think of like a moment as I'm talking about this is like, I've always loved getting in front of crowds and, and talking to people. I mean, I was, I was in fourth grade and I remember doing a speech on Jackie Robinson. And I, I dressed up as Jackie Robinson. I run in, and you know that icon, there's an iconic photo of him stealing home, and he's sliding into home. And, and like I, I reenact that scene as my opener. And I'm in fourth grade here, and I'm running in the classroom in baseball pants, and I'm diving on the ground, sliding into an imaginary home plate. And it was like I always have loved being able to put a smile on people's face, and that's always been a source of my happiness and a source of something that brings me great joy and fulfillment. And now, uh, at 27, I'm able to do that on a global scale to thousands and thousands of people every year, and it's just something that is, is such a blessing. But the motivational spirit just comes from being excited about it, bringing other people joy, and in, in turn, it brings me great joy and, and happiness. And I think we're all here to enjoy the game of life. Yeah, for sure. We're playing the long game when it comes to life. You're not playing a short game where it's like it's going to be predicated on your age, like you're a basketball player. Once you hit the age yep. of 30, 35, it's pretty much you can almost wrap it up like it's over. And, you know, when you're playing, like you said, the game of life, that's the long game. And that has so much more impact. It has so much more, uh, I guess, has so much value. But also there's repercussions also for some of the things we choose or choose not to do or and then the rewards. I mean, it's just I love what you're saying about loving people because I, mm. I fall in that same category. I just love people. Like, I don't care what you look like, what you smell like, whatever. Like, I love you, man. Like, it's it's all good. And you talk about Jackie Robinson, number 42, man. Like, that's uh, – it's, 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 it's peculiar that a young guy like you at that age, young kid, would would pick that. And, and so, like – it says something about you, and so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm piecing it together as you're telling me. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm getting a picture of who this guy is. So that's awesome, man. Now, I want, yeah. I want to ask you about your time with the Lakers, man. What, uh, what did your time with the Lakers teach you? What did you learn, I guess, from all that? Yeah. So my first job out of college was with the Lakers, and I was, uh, my role was a corporate partnership assistant. Okay. And. What was really crazy about this role, though, here is, is, is I, as, and I think it's important to note, right, as we talk about, like, my dream was to play for the Lakers. I had the Laker room. When I got to college, I couldn't play in the NBA. It was, how do I get close to the NBA? I wanted to be an agent. The agency, when I got ready to graduate, couldn't hire me. They were on a hiring freeze. It happened that the Lakers were able to bring me on. Talk about a full circle moment when you, your dream is to play for Lakers. And now, even though I'm not playing, I got courtside access. I'm going in the elevator. I'm seeing these people, right? Like, those are the things, when you visualize it, things manifest in different ways. Yeah. Whether it's the exact thing that you set out to do or it's something else. And so when I was with the Lakers, my time there, I was I, my main responsibility on game night was picking all the contestants for all, like, the contests that had to do with the brand partners, right? You know, the half-court shot, the three-point shootout, the skills mm-hmm. challenge, all these great things. I got to pick out these people. And I also did, you know, three post-game shoot-arounds with the brands and some of the guys and different things like that. Um, but the thing that I really learned the most from the Lakers, um, well, there's, there's a couple things here, but, but the, the two biggest things is that I, that I really learned, you know, what I wanted to do with the rest of my life while I was with the team. And I also really learned, like, how important it was to pursue amazingness and success in your life, but doing it on your own terms. Wow. Because the Lakers job didn't pay me a ton of money, but it was a job that I knew I would have unbelievable experiences by doing. Yeah. And in some ways, could you say it slowed down the growth of who I am this, five years later? Yeah, potentially, because it wasn't, it, it, it didn't have too much relevance to what I'm doing now, but yeah, you better believe I'm going to be telling the stories of how I was sitting in the tunnel watching Kobe go for 60 against the Utah Jazz in his last game. Wow. Right? And, and I think that that's such an important thing for me as, as a basketball fan, but as someone who, who tries to put the dots together as I'm living rather than waiting to the end to then enjoy them. And, and that's something that's so powerful. But, I, but I'll tell you this. There was a moment when I was with the Lakers that really changed everything. And it was a elevator ride with Mr. Jerry West. Wow. Now – now, Jerry West 
Obviously, you know who he is, and most of the listeners will probably know who he is, right? Yeah. The NBA logo, the legend. Yeah. Now, Jerry gets into this elevator, okay? And the elevator guy, the person that's working the elevator, he looks at Jerry, and he has no idea who he is, right? And so, 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 and I'm going to laugh while I'm telling this, but he looks at Jerry and says, excuse me, sir, where, where, what floor would you like to go? And Jerry goes, the event level, court side. And I'm like, yeah, obviously, right? Like, Jerry, you got to go to the court. And the person working the elevator, he looks at Jerry and says, well, excuse me, sir. If you don't have a credential, I'm going to have to ask you to step off because, and then he started pointing at me, this man pointing at me has to get down there and has work to do. And in my mind, I'm like, no, he didn't just say wow. that to Jerry West, right? Wow. And so Jerry West is about to step off the elevator, and, and somehow I, I gather the courage, and I yell, I yell at the guy. I was like, wait, wait, wait. He's with me. He's my guest. I'm going to escort Jerry down. And so the guy looks at me, and he says, are you sure? So I look at Jerry, and I'm like, kind of like that confused, like, wait for him to give me the approval nod. Yeah. He gives me the nod. I return it right back to the person working the elevator, and we go down the elevator. Okay. And as we get out of the elevator, I start to panic. Like, is Jerry going to be pissed that a, a, a young bottom-of-the-totem-pole assistant stood up for him or even had to stand up for him because the person didn't know who he was, right? Like, all these thoughts yeah. are going through my head. And right as we're about to go our separate ways, Jerry sticks out his hand, says, thank you, I appreciate what you just did for me. And in that moment, wow. in that moment, I realized a very simple truth about the power of a single interaction. Yeah. Jerry West probably will never remember that experience. Yeah. But I will always remember that experience because it taught me that no matter how rich you are, how famous you are, what your title is, what status you have, what school you coach at, what college you went to, what job you have, none of that stuff matters. What matters is that we're all people. And we yeah. all have the same basic desires to be loved, to be heard, to feel valued, to feel that we belong, to feel that we matter. And Jerry West made me feel like I was the most important person in the world in that moment. Yeah, And it made me fully understand, right? It made me fully understand that our actions can have so much more influence on somebody else than we even realize. Yeah. And we may not understand how powerful it is in the moment, but we may find out 10 years down the road that that one time we cared for that player, that extra hour we invested in that, in that person when they were struggling in school so they could make grades to play, that changed their life. And that put me on a trajectory of where I knew that beyond anything I did in sports, what I needed to do was take people to the next level in their life and to give that feeling as often as possible. And as now I say it, to elevate them. Wow. Take people to the next level in life. That's fantastic because it kind of mirrors what a lot of our guests are about as far as coaching, right? Like that's kind of our, that should be our why. Yep. Is to elevate people. So I, I, I really appreciate you saying, you know, tell us that story because that, that is a super unbelievable story. Like the logo, the logo walks into the, the elevator and the dude's like, yeah, uh, who's this guy? <laughs> like, what? Like I, I met Jerry West one time and like, I just flipped out, man. I was like, wow, that's the logo. Yeah. That's the guy. Like, so yeah, I, I, fantastic story, man. But I, but I like how you're, you're saying how one experience can change things for an individual. And I think that's something that we all kind of have to have a, and a, a level of expectation, I guess, to have those moments to, to like you talked, mm -hmm. you talked about manifesting earlier. There's things we can manifest through our mind, through our positive thinking, through our level of expectation. So I think that's, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you here again, tied it in like that, taking people to the next level. It's fantastic. Good stuff, man. Now, I want to ask you about the professional basketball combine. Uh, what was what's your overall goal with that, and how do you, how do you look at it from the perspective of uh, getting players ready for the draft? Yeah, so so the professional basketball combine uh, we created is a secondary NBA draft combine, and basically what we do is the same things that the NBA combine does. So we have them do three on three scrimmages, we do team interviews, we test their vertical, their lane agility, all that type of stuff. And our, and our goal at the event is to help 24 players each year. That's how many players we bring to our event. Yeah. Our goal is to help that many players uh, play in front of NBA teams and hopefully raise their draft stock um, to secure a draft spot, a two-way spot, a summer league invite, um, or even a higher-paying job overseas. And what the whole point of it was, when we first created it, for me, the reason I wanted to create it was for a variety of reasons, obviously helping the player most importantly, because 
when I was in school and I wanted to be an agent, I wanted to be an agent because I wanted to, to help transform these players' lives as they were going to the next level. Because too many agents that I was meeting were all about trying to get the best players to make the quickest buck off of them, yeah. right? And that's, and that's unfortunately the sad truth at that level. And of course, there are unbelievable agents, but there are also people that, that you know aren't always looking out for their best interest. And so I wanted to start this event to help the players. But also selfishly for myself, during the event, I wanted to be able to network with 100 different agents and see who would be my customer, see what agents I liked working with, what I didn't. Because if the event went well, then maybe one of these agents would want to hire me and bring me onto their, onto their team, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. that was the dream, right, to be an agent. So, and I was like, if I also do this, I can practice being an entrepreneur. I can grow my network to meet a ton of people. I can be one of the only 24-year-olds in the country with relationships with all the agencies, with almost every NBA team, with top media outlets. I was like, this is wow. a chance to, to go big or go home. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of uh, uh, doubt <laughs> as we were putting this together of could I pull this off? Because I didn't have a huge network. I didn't have everything figured out. I couldn't call 20 GMs and get them to confirm just because they were my friend and they would do me the solid. Right? I had to built this from scratch and connect the dots and convince agents on why they need to send players and convince teams why it would be worth it for them. And it's been unbelievable to see that how much we've grown in the three years that we've had our event from the first year where we had 23 guys and, and over half the NBA teams. And now we have 24 guys and we have uh, over 20 NBA teams the last few years. So it's been unbelievable in terms of the growth. We've had over 70 guys sign contracts in over 31 countries. Wow. We've had over 10 two-way contracts. We've had over 40 summer league invites. We've had over like 35 G League players. I mean, it goes on and on. Yes. And it's like giving guys this opportunity to be seen who are missed, are left out of the NBA Combine invite or who are who went through something and now they, you know, they didn't have the chance to have the greatest senior season or something. Yeah. Or whatever it is, you know, we, we go deep into the scouting, but our goal is to give people a platform to, to turn their dream into their reality of playing pro ball. Yeah, so you were looking for a platform to be a part of, but instead created your own. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. The entrepreneur of uh, mindset. It's like, well, if I can't get on with a group, I'll just create my own group. Yeah, I'll do that. That's even at 24, too. I think about when I was 24. I, I, I may have been able to dream up something like that, but to get to that point, yeah, I can understand why you were a little nervous because that is definitely sounds nerve-wracking at the age of 24 to get that done. But fantastic, man. That's kudos on that. That's, you know, here again, you're talking about giving opportunities and elevating people like that. Here again, it's all tied in. And so yeah. I, I would ask you, Jake, what did you sacrifice or what do you sacrifice or invest to be where you're at today? A lot, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of interested to, to see kind of how I take this, this question because, you know, in the beginning I, I thought I sacrificed a lot in the sense of, you know, knowing that this was going to be a big expense for me as, as a young entrepreneur that wasn't hugely funded, all right, at all funded really, but I didn't have a huge backing or, or you know, didn't have a trust fund or anything like that to, you know, put all the money in. So I was taking a big gamble. So the sacrifice on one end was like, I was going all in on this, right? And on the other hand, too, you know, I was missing out on hanging out with some of my friends. Yeah. I moved home when I graduated for a year. I sacrificed some of the things for the, the short-term gain for the long-term win. Yeah. And at the time, I saw those as huge sacrifices because it, it, it felt like in that moment it was so important. But now as I look back on it, you know, is the right word sacrifice or is the right word discipline, right? Wow. Is the right word belief? Yeah. Because, because when I think about all that, I start to think about, man, I, I, I went for it. And that's something I'm so proud of um, and that I was willing to do to be able to, to create the life that I've been able to build now. And I'm still in the beginning stages of what I believe I'm capable of doing. Yeah. But I also know that when people are willing to take chances and they're willing to sacrifice, when they're willing to have the discipline, when willing to believe in themselves, we can do some pretty incredible things and have a pretty big impact on a lot of people. That's yeah. the beautiful thing about humanity and, and life, right? And so, you know, sacrifice, I sacrificed a ton of going out with my friends. I sacrificed going to get beers on a Tuesday, hitting half the hours, right? Because yeah. I was committed yeah. to a greater vision. Yeah. But equate that to still to playing a sport. 
equate that to that, right? If you want to make it to the highest level of your industry, the highest level of the game of basketball, you have to be willing to make decisions and take actions that other people aren't going to, to do if you want to have a life other people will never experience. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's and strange. so for me, yeah, and so for me, I, you know, I, I don't know if I figured it out, but what I did really learn in, in that process, though, over these last few years since we started the combine and making these sacrifices is that the joy for me was became not once I had the greatest ambition, but how I enjoyed the process in the pursuit of those ambitions. Wow. And that changed everything for me when I realized that because it became more fun. It became yeah. more gamified. And as an athlete, we love games. We love leveling up, right? Yeah. And now my life, I view it as a game. And, and I'm going to freaking win it, you yeah. know? And I'm going to have wins every day. Every day is a new game, you know? And then yeah. you're going to have great days. You're going to have bad days. Those are your losses. You, you keep overcoming it, right? You battle through injuries. Then eventually you're going to make the playoffs one day, right? And, yeah. and then you're going to have to win the playoffs. And then you're going to become a champion. And then you're going to become the MVP of your own life. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's a winning life. Yeah. And that's what I want to go down, you know, when it, when it's all said and done. I want to, you know, have that be part of it. And I'll dive into that a little bit later, too. But that's, you know, when I think about sacrifice, I think about those the questions that, that I brought up. And, of course, I, I made short-term sacrifices, but I think it was even bigger than that. Yeah, no, man, you're you're saying a whole lot. And in, in, I like what you said, man. Every day is a new game. Like, kind of having that mindset, that's a lot of growth. You can you can foster with that mindset because you're not, uh, I don't know. You're not pinning yourself in a corner, uh, to have to get everything done today. You, you value, you, you, mm -hmm. see, you seize the day, but you understand there's going to come another one too. And you can seize that one as well. So like, there's always a new game. I like that, man. And the competitiveness that you're talking about is what drives us to, to, to be winners, whatever that looks like. Right. Because it's not the same for everybody. Hell yeah. So that, I think that's, that's fantastic. Now, what was it like when you first realized you were able to be of service at the highest levels of the game that you loved? Oh, man, it was awesome, dude. I mean, I mean, I mean think about it, man. Like, as, as a basketball player my whole life, as an athlete, like, to be able to see these guys and, and to work with players at the highest level, Awesome, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like this is any basketball fan will say that, right? Yeah. But then when you're in the business, right, you don't, you don't get, you don't show your starstruck. You don't get super excited over some of the things that that other people might get excited about because you're in the business and it is a business and you're here to produce results. And my job was to produce results for these guys. I mean, I can't tell you how incredible it was to be able to be around these guys, to, to hear what GMs and scouts were saying, to be into the process and, and to see our guys. You know, we have a guy who's going to finish third in the in the NBA Rookie of the Year ratings this year, Kendrick Nunn on the Miami Heat. Yeah. Like, we had the G League Rookie of the Year and Antonio Blakeney a couple of years ago. Like, come to our event. And to wow. be able to say we played a small part, not saying that it was because of us that they had this success. Of course not. But to say that we had a small part in their basketball journey and we were able to help them sign a contract, to be able to say we were helped to put them in front of a platform, of an audience. For these other guys, to be able to say we were able to get them an extra 10 grand that they can, uh, so they can play overseas that they can give back to their parents. Wow. Those are the moments that make life, make you think about, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And for me to be able to combine that, that love for basketball with my passion of just making making the world a, a better place and providing opportunities and taking people higher and higher than they ever thought was possible. I mean, what else can you ask for? Yeah, no, not much more, man. I mean, that's, uh, geez, Louise, you're, you're explaining it. You talked about about uh, Kendrick Nunn. I just watched him a little yep. while ago against the, the, I think it was the Pacers. Fantastic. Like, you, you, you were able to impact people that you never thought in your wildest dreams you would be able to impact. You, you know, mm -hmm. where you saw yourself, you're helping that, that figuratively, I guess, like you're able to help yourself because that's where you saw yourself. And that's fantastic, man. That's really good stuff. Now, some of the challenges, right? Like everything has a challenge. When we're talking about competitiveness every day being a new game. So obviously there's challenges and then there's joys too. Like there's probably joys in the challenge as well, but what are some of the challenges and the joys of working in that space? As far as, you know, you, you have, you sign some players, you don't sign some and you, you know, how does that all, how, how does that all pan out for you? 
coming. You said you said, well, it's always going to be challenges, right? Yeah. But I, I think, like for me, you know, I view the I view the challenges as as part of the process. Yeah. I don't view them as obstacles that stop me, right? Yeah. And and I think that you know, in the beginning, the challenges was was is this even going to work? Are any is anyone going to show up? Are we going to get any players? Yeah. Then we do it. Then the next the next year comes. How do we make it better? What are, yeah. what are ways that we can improve it? How do we add more value to everybody that that's participating? Right. Yeah. And you're never going to go a hundred for a hundred. Yeah, for sure. In anything, right? Like like I. I that would be so incredible for somebody to go 100 for 100 in, in sales pitches and free throws and in in whatever and in, in yeah. dating right like in, in coaching like it would just be unbelievable if you went 100 for 100. Yeah. But I think what really makes really makes it exciting is when you savor the moment and you understand that it's part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And yeah. for me, like, whenever I go through a challenge, and this is so hard to do, and I and I I still struggle with this all the time, but I've I've tried to evolve and learn, and like when I'm going through something that's tough. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come out of this on the other side stronger, and I'm going to be able to look back at this moment as a pivotal moment. Wow. Because oftentimes you wait till the end of the road, and you're like, oh, that was such a big challenge. Now I'm in a challenge, and I'm like, oh, I remember when I was struggling doing this. Like, I remember this. And and I know that, like, in two months, when the event happens, like, I'm going to laugh at this struggle right now <laughs> because it's going to be so small in comparison, or it's going to be the thing that changed our entire our entire program. Yeah. So, like, for example, you know, one of the things that, that really worried us was the NBA came out with the, the G League Elite Camp last year, and they had the next 40 guys um, come to their event. Wow. And that was basically now the NBA had the NBA Combine and then the G League Elite Camp, or, or whatever they called it, the, whatever they called it at, at last year. I, I don't even remember. And what they did was they had the next 40. So they took a lot of the guys that we were going to have in our event, right? They took a lot of the guys that, that normally wouldn't have a place to go, and they brought them into there, which is great. It's awesome. The NBA was doing incredible things. But it was also like, oh my gosh, like, are we even going to be able to put on our event? Like, are we going to get enough players for the teams that want to be there or whatever? Yeah. And I was like, you know, in that moment, I was like, oh gosh, this could be panic. I was like, I'm going to remember this moment. Right? I'm going to remember this moment because we're going to overcome this and we're going to make this the best year we've ever had. And that's what we did. And we did it. And we made it happen. And so I think, you know, challenges for me are just, are just beautiful things that make the mountaintop even higher. Wow. Yeah, no, that's one way to put it. <laughs> that is one way to put it. You know, sometimes we, I don't know, I, I think what we do is we focus too much on the issues and we magnify them, right? So we magnify them probably beyond their reasonable, uh, I guess, influence in our lives. And we say, that is so huge. That is so insurmountable. That is such a huge challenge. Yet taking that approach like, yeah, it's just going to make just gonna make it even more sweet when we get to where we want to get to. And like you said, looking back on it, we're going to laugh about this later. Uh, I think that's something that process really brings you. Processing um, your thoughts, first of all, then going through the process. Like it's all kind of, uh, it correlates completely. So I, yeah, I just- For sure, and, I, and Mike, let me let me add one more thing in there too, right? Yeah. Is when, is when you think about, when you think about challenges, right? Most of us see it, see it in this way as they're, they're challenges, they're things that we have to overcome, right? But a lot of times what we need to do when we see challenges is instead of being overwhelmed or starting to panic or worrying if things are going to work out, we need to take that challenge. We need to break it down. We need to ask the questions. Why does this challenge exist? What are the solutions to it? What are the possibilities that can happen because of it? What do we need to do to change? Because when you start to take action and you break it down into smaller things, then challenges seem easier to overcome. Instead of one big hump, you're going over 10 tiny humps. Mm. And maybe you get over nine of them and not one, but you're getting enough momentum where you can fly over one, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I wanted to, I wanted to just add that because I think that's such a powerful a powerful lesson. Um, and something that I always think about is like, you know, you can see big challenges. They're often not as big as they really appear. Yeah, our yeah. fear is often much, much more in our head than actually in real life. But if we're willing to break it down and face it head on and acknowledge that it exists, well, then we can know the action steps needed to help us move forward and overcome and move move to the next phase. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I like that. I like that you, you start breaking it down to a level of achieve, achievableness, if that's even a word to use. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to turn, you know, George Bush on this, but achievableness, yeah, that seems really, really good, man. Like, I like that. I think I think that's something that as coaches we can, that we try to do at times for our players 
but it's something I know I do with my kids. I, 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 sure. I, I see something of, uh, of that's going to be a great value once they conquer it. Uh, but at the time, they're looking at it like, oh, my gosh, Dad, what's going to happen? And I'm telling them, look, we take it day by day, you know, depending on the, the time frame, hour by hour. However, we're going to get it done, but we're going to break this down into pieces. I'll do my part. You do your part. Let's work this thing through and we'll get through it together and we'll be better for it. So, yeah, on the other end, we'll be better for it. So, yeah, I get, completely understand what you're saying, man. Now, you talk a lot about true success, right? Because sometimes we measure success as coaches or as parents or we, we measure sometimes uh, our success uh, uh, by metrics that are either unreasonable or somebody else told us that that's what we were going to have to judge our success by. But I want to ask you about achieving true success. What advice would you give our listeners about achieving true success? I think, I think true success, I love this question because more often than not, what we believe is success is really a fabrication of what other people have made us think we really want success to be. Yeah. Right? And we, we chase something in the hope that that will bring us the true happiness. Mm. Because most people, when they think about really being successful, and, and, and you say, what does success really look like? It's about being happy. It's about having freedom, right? Yeah. But when we, when we ask people what success is and who's a successful person, we often hear celebrities, athletes, people with a lot of money, people with a lot of status, a lot of title people that have accomplished, quote-unquote, a lot, yeah. right? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not saying it's not success, but success needs to be encompassed in every bucket of your life to have true success. Yeah. And I think success is independent to each one of us as a coach, as an individual, as a parent, as a, as a son, as a sibling, as, a, as an educator, as a professional, right? I think that success can be defined differently by all of us. And what we have to do is not compare ourselves to what other people think success is, we have to compare ourselves to the best version of ourselves and the mm. future version of who we aim to be. Wow. And that is achieving true success, in my opinion. And so for me, success is about having the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, and help other people achieve their success, right? Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, to add a little bit more to that, you know, when, when you look at some of the most successful and happy people, is not always the people that you would pose as traditionally successful. But here's the beautiful thing. You're not, you're, you're chapter one is somebody's chapter eight. Mm. You're chapter four is someone's chapter 37. Yeah. You're not writing the same book, and most of the time you're writing it in a different genre. Yeah. Right? And so, and so we, we compare ourselves to people that are irrelevant for us to even be comparing to, our, to ourselves in the first place. Wow. And, and that creates that creates internal self-doubt. Mm-hmm. It creates negative thoughts. Yeah. It creates negative self-value. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we need to just focus on being the best that we can be and doing success the way we define it. Because when that happens, you stop comparing yourself, which increases your overall happiness and fulfillment. You stop feel, feeling guilty about what you think you should do because you know what actions you need to take. And you start to enjoy life more because you have less decisions to make because everything is in alignment with how you define success and it's your life to create the greatest version of that for yourself. Wow. Wow. You talk, I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, full disclosure, comparison and kind of like seeing what the best version of myself has been an issue lately, right? And me and my wife talk about it to a degree. And so like, Comparison is what, as they say, the thief of all joy, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like you're bringing to light some things for me personally. I'm just like, wow, I'm seeing things different. My paradigm is shifting to degree with, with, with what you're saying. So I really do appreciate it because I think we all want, like, we all want the next great job. In my in, here, here again, in, just so I can speak for me, looking for the next great job, looking for the opportunity of a lifetime. And what does that mean, though? Whose lifetime? <laughs> Whose life? You yeah. know. And so I, I, I get it, and I, and I appreciate you saying it because it's bringing clarity to myself. And so mm. I, I can imagine the, our listeners who needs to hear that because I think we all need to hear that because we, here again we're all competitive, we're all playing a, you know the long game. We like to hopefully one up our our opponents, whoever we make them, and uh, but ultimately we're our, our our biggest opponent. We're the 
like you said, compare, comparing ourselves to who we want to be and measuring our success mm. who we want to become. Like, that's fantastic. So, like, I'm thinking true success equals true happiness at the end of the day. And, and that's, mm-hmm. and I think that's very achievable if we, if we go about it like the way you're, you're constructing it for us. So thank you. I really, I really, really appreciate that, man. So like for yourself and your support system, how important is it through your life and through these endeavors and all these goals and the success that you have had, how important has that been? It's everything. I mean, I, I, I believe that the relationship component is the reason I'm sitting here talking to you today. Wow. That's what got us to this point. And, and I'm, I believe that we are in the business of people. Yeah. And our true sure. definition of success will be dependent on how well we succeed in this business. Yeah. And whether you're actually in business or you're not, or you're doing just what, right? right? Like you're still in the business of people because people are the driving force behind everything we will ever do in our life. Mm-hmm. You can't go on a date if another person doesn't <laughs> show up. That's just called going out to dinner by yourself, right? Yeah. You can't get... You can't get a customer if there's no human being that's going to pay you money in your job. Right. You can't you can't teach an empty classroom unless of course we're doing virtual training, right? And people are watching. <laughs> yeah, but you can't yeah, yeah. you can't teach to nobody. And you know, this kind of brings us back to this definition of success kind of component, right? And then and talking about this this whole idea. But you got you gotta really kind of focus on, on everything that's that's going on in your life like that. Wow. That's fantastic. I, I, I've always, I'll always maintain that it's for myself and the coaches that I know and the people I've worked with. When we work with young people or any people, we're in the people business. Like I, I, I maintain that because I love what you're saying because it ties in exactly to it. My goal is for all this, the podcast, what I do with my life as far as for a living vocationally, uh, what I do mm-hmm. as a coach, like, I want people to understand we're in the people business. Like I'm not in the business of getting paid to coach, although that is a perk, right? If that does happen, I'm not in the business of making a name for myself, although that's great if that does happen. I'm not in the business of making a boatload of money, although that's fantastic if it does happen. I'm in the people business because, as you said, we love people. And when you're loving people the right way and doing right by them, you never work a day in your life. It's always one of these things where it's certitude, adding value, having empathy, extending compassion where needed uh, because people are people and we need people. I don't want to sound like Barbara Streisand, but, you know, at the end of the day, people do need people to function. Sure. And so that's fantastic, man. I love the way you broke that down. I really mm. do. So I want to talk to you about your best seller, your, your book, Elevate Beyond. And then now your new book, Elevate Your Network, like those two books in general, how can you, I guess, talk to us about them because I want to make sure we uh, we get a clear understanding of what your goal is with, uh, you know, presenting this literature to us. Yeah, of course, man. So Elevate Beyond was the first book I wrote. I wrote this uh I wrote this every day when I would get uh, to the lake, my, my job at the Lakers, mm-hmm. I would drive super early to avoid traffic, sit in my car and write until I, I got into work. And then it became the first book that I wrote. And Kobe retired, I retired, and I launched this out to the world. And basically this book came from that, myself asking me two questions. Shortly after I had that experience with Jerry West in the elevator, and I, and I asked myself these two questions, I said, what do I know and how can I help people? Wow. Because I wanted to give them that feeling, right? Yeah. And the way you produce results in someone's lives is by sharing information or transformations that you've gone through and then showing them how to achieve that in their own life. So yeah. at the time, I was less than a year out of college. But what I did know was how to get a good job, the best internships, how to network, how to do all these things. And so I wrote a book, and the first book, Elevate Beyond, became a uh, experience and a guide of everything that I had gone through uh, to get my job with the Lakers and everything that I had done to get my dream internships and everything I'd learned, coupled with interviews with very successful entrepreneurs, professors, employees at Morgan Stanley, Apple, NFL athletes, to tie their experience with my usefulness of just going through the job process. And so that book's great for you know high school audiences, college audiences, people that are transitioning their career. Um, very, very good for that particular group of people. And that book is awesome. I, I was my first one, so it'll always be, you know, close to my heart. Yeah. My second book, which is called Elevate Your Network, 
is based around this premise of being in the business of people. Yeah. And I wrote it because, like I said, I equate my success with my ability to have built a world-class network. Yeah. And, and now I teach people how to make money, how to grow their own businesses by building world-class networks that will take them to six figures and beyond. Wow. And it's because of these principles. And this book is all about the 25 keys to building extraordinary relationships in life and business. Mm. And people that read this find more happiness and fulfillment in their relationships. They find deeper relationships. They find it easier to stay on top of their relationships. And there's all these different keys, and I'd be happy to share a couple of them with you, yeah, but there's all these different keys that um, really help you build a network that can change your life. Yeah. And um, some of the keys, and I'll, and I'll kind of be quick, and I'll, you know, we'll, we'll hook everyone up who's listening with the, with the free copy of the book at wow. the end of this. Nice. But a few, a few of these things um, to, to talk about is, this is one of my favorites because the most underrated um, is to be a good listener. Yeah. And this is so important, especially as a coach. You know, this is such an important one because oftentimes as a coach, you know, we're in the position of asking the questions and we're in the position of making the direction, right? Yeah. But oftentimes we need to really listen because when we listen and we understand our players, our assistants, when we, when we understand what people are going through, we under, we're listening to all these things, we can really process the conversation with the intent to understand and validate mm -hmm. rather than always the intent to direct and reply. Yeah. And that's such a pivotal concept when building relationships is to understand and be willing to learn and grow so that we can produce the best results in our life that get us closer to the goals we've set out for our jobs or for whatever success looks like. So that's one of them that, that I, that I always like to share about yeah. another one um, is it's titled, it's, it's Kelsey number seven in the book. It's called, you never know who you're talking to until you know who you're talking to. Wow. And this one is so amazing because I can't tell you how many times I've met people that were random that maybe didn't have any like true impact immediately, but because I got to know them, because I've learned who they were, I was interested. I asked good questions. I listened and followed up with them. They were able to connect me with people that could change my life or that their uncle was someone who could take me on a crazy trip, or their sibling had graduated three years earlier and, and knew an agent that I needed to get in touch with, right? Like, yeah. you never know who you're talking to until you know. And this is something that, that I think as, as coaches and as, and as people, right, you've got to tell the younger generation this more and more and more. And we got to tell everybody this. But specifically, if you're in sports, and, and, and you're, you're trying to navigate your career. You're trying to get to that next level. You're trying to get a coaching job at the next level. Coaches, if you know, is a pretty small network, right? Like yeah. everyone knows everybody in some way. Yeah. So if you get to know the right person, that person may have the connection that you need to get the job that you really want. Yeah. So you never know who you're talking to. So you always got to make sure you have your back pocket questions to ask. You got to make sure you have your, your interest. You got to make sure you know what's going on in, in, in setting yourself up so that these opportunities can arise because you never know who can, who can, who can help you and make, and make you move forward. And then the last one that I'll share, the last one that I'll share um, is, is a we versus me mentality. Okay. And this is really important, especially as competitive people, because Typically, in competitive people, it's either you or me, right? Like, either yeah, I yeah. win and you lose, right? So here's the thing with the Weaver's Me mentality is I believe in healthy competition. I'm one of the most competitive people in the world, but I believe that competitive can make us better rather than tear us down in the process. And here's how yeah. that can happen. When you have a me mentality, you are purely focused on what your objectives are and how to get there. So you ask questions in your mindset when networking, when relationship building, when communicating, what can you do for me? How can I use you to get to where I want to go, right? Yeah. And look, we're innately, we're a little bit selfish in life. So yeah. our first tendency is to do that. Yeah. And I struggled with this because I always thought I had, what I'll tell you about is a we mentality, but in reality, I was having a me mentality because I was using the relationships or the intent behind the relationships to get what I wanted. Mm, yeah. The second part of that is the we mentality. And the we mentality asks questions more like, what can we do for each other? How can we both help each other get to where we want to be? Yeah. And I'll give you a great example of this. Did you watch The Last Dance? Yeah. Every episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Every episode. And anybody that likes basketball, Probably watched it. Yeah. And there's an there's a portion in there where, where Kobe and, and Mike go at 
I think it was like Kobe's first or second, third, second or third year in the league, is an all-star game. Mm-hmm. And Mike gives him the business, right? <laughs> he does not take it easy and give him the business. The competition is there, okay? The competition is there. Yeah. But because of that, it made them both better. Yeah. And it yeah. made Kobe more driven and more dedicated to beat him. That's positive competition. That's mm-hmm. a we mentality. Because yeah. I promise you, there's enough for every single person listening to this podcast, as well as myself and for you, to win in life. Yeah. There is no shortage of wins to go around in this in this world. We can all win. And I promise you this, it's much better to win with other people than it is to win by yourself. Mm. Wow. Wow. It's that whole team concept of better together. Uh, I love what you're saying about competition, man. I, I think yeah. I, I think I heard you say it before, and it really blew my mind because I was you know here again. I want to every time I compete, I want to dominate. I don't care what it is. We could be playing you know checkers, and I want to dominate. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a space where when we can, and I you know what? I take it back. I've I felt that before. I remember being my best friend. We would go at each other at the local rec center. And, man, we would go. He knew my weakness. He knew every weakness I had. I knew every weakness he had. And he'd come right for it, and I'd go right for his. And before you knew it, we had to manufacture a way to get over that hump. So we got better. And then at the end of it, it was all love. Mm-hmm. And we weren't mad. We weren't upset. We got in the same vehicle, left, went down the street, got ourselves a Gatorade, had a good time. So I kind mm-hmm. of like it into that, you know. I, I guess the the – the phrase that comes to mind is like ironing, sharpening, uh, sharpening iron. Like you make each other better by virtue of that. And I, I love that so much because it really does change our, uh, I guess our view of it sometimes. Sometimes we think, like I said, my initial idea of competition was just, I want to dominate. I want to beat you. But like you mm-hmm. said, the, you talked about Jordan and Kobe. Like, yeah, it was kind of, it was hidden in all that. And I like the way you brought it out. But it was, you could see it. You could definitely see it. So I appreciate that. Now, I asked this question about legacy, but you're only 27, man. You got a long ways to go for, for whatever it is you're going to do. But kind of a working legacy, I would I would say. Like uh, uh, Stephen Covey has a book called, you know, The Seven Habits, right? And one of us be, beginning with the end in mind. So as a working kind of legacy, Jake, what, what would you want to be said of you? Because you're going to lay out that foundation and you're going to lay out, like you said, working with people and loving people. It's an everyday thing when you work with them, how you're going to get to that point. But what is maybe some of the things you would want to be said of you uh, when, when everything is kind of all said and done in that space? Man, what a great question. And, you know, I think about this a lot. And, you know, I, I think I, look, I think I have a ton to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this could evolve as I experience life, as, as I have, you know, as, as eventually when I get married, when I have kids, when I achieve some of these other things and ambitions that I have, I think that yeah. can change. But the one thing that's never going to change is, is this desire to make a difference, right? Yeah. It's never going to change because that's what, what I've built my life based around. So for me, the legacy that, that I really, you know, want to live is like, every interaction that I have will be something that elevates somebody else. Wow. Right. And so I want, you know, when it's all said and done, people to be like, Oh man, I remember when Jake did this for me in high school. Or I remember when I, I met Jake on a random street and he, he did this for me. Or I remember I just met Jake and he donated to my charity or whatever it is. Right. It's like, I want to be remembered as somebody that always brought the best out of other people that connected incredible dots and that, um, and that made a huge difference uh, with everyone that I interacted with. Fantastic. Jake, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on and sharing with us. It's been, for me, it's been real. I've uh, definitely taken away some nuggets and some sauce from all this. And I, <laughs> and I really do appreciate it, man. So, like, I'm, I'm so glad we did this. Sh- shout out to Alan Stein, you know, for kind of being the connect the, the connection there. Uh, and so I, I really do appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this was a blast. I love the nuggets and the sauce uh, <laughs> analogy right there. You got some good stuff there. I love it. Um, I appreciate you asking some great questions. It's, it's been really a blast. I'm excited to connect with, with all the listeners after after hearing this. Yeah, and let, let, let the listeners know how they can get a copy of your book, uh, Elevate Your Network. 
Yeah, so so the best way is to really connect with me and to get the book or, or to check out my website, jakekelfer.com, to check me out on Instagram, at jakekelfer. And on both of those, you'll be able to to see the links in the bio or the links on my website. It'll direct you to a link where you can get a free copy of Elevation Network, paperback copy. Um, all you got to do is just pay a small shipping fee, and we'll get that sent out to your doorstep. Our team will get it sent out to you as soon as we can. So um, I hope you guys enjoy that, and uh, and let us know what you think of the book. Let us know what you think of the podcast. I mean, it it's always fun jumping on and having a great conversation around hoops and success and life. So, you know, it's a blessing. And anyone that wants to chat, I'm always available and always open um, to meeting great people. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jake.